Hello, this is Matt Brown, the worship pastor here at Glen Owen Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, March 7th, 2022. Hey everyone, I'm John Vanderveld. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor here at Glen Owen Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. Morning, everybody. Morning, guys. Good morning. morning. How we doing? <laughs> We're good. doing good. I'm doing great. We're ready for spring. Hey, how about the Red Envelope Project yesterday? How did John? What's the word? I, Do we have an update? Yeah, I think the count is close to eighteen thousand dollars raised. I walked so by cool. the wall, the gymnasium wall. Yeah, and about half the envelopes were gone, which is a great start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. just if you weren't in church yesterday, there was a, a an announcement at the end of the service that we have 135 uh, teenagers who have applied for summer mission trips, and we're taking five trips. Well, well three yeah, are going three to the, are same going spot. the same spot, but they're in different yeah. groups. Yeah. Yeah. So Chicago, Denver, and then the Dominican Republic, 135 applicants really pumped about that. Needs lots of prayer. 90 uh, are flying to the DR. Just the logistics around that are pretty imposing. But we're trying to raise 30 grand to help offset costs for the kids. And we got about an $18,000 start to that. That's great. That's re- I'm pumped about that. Thankful. I was having um, like flashbacks to uh, when, we, when COVID hit and yeah. we canceled services. Two years <laughs> ago, we They we had done all the work. For the red envelope. For the red envelope. Oh, and it kicked off. Yeah, that's right. And then it ended. And then remember, it was all crazy right then where it was like, stay at home. Oh, God. Nobody come in and like, I'd have to come into church to get like a monitor or like a, yeah. you know, a we mouse for my on. computer. <laughs> and you'd come through the gym and there'd be like, like a red envelope, like floating across the floor, and like you know, these they were sliding down the wall slowly was, from the like, sticky tag. Yeah, it's like a ghost, like a terrible ghost town. So like, funny. It just had it you was know, to see it back up on the wall, and everybody grabbing envelopes, and it was really uh, we had cool. visitors, first time visitors yesterday. Yeah. Go in the gym and get ready. Oh, I love that. Cool. That was the first time I'd seen it. We must have missed it when it happened two years ago. Yeah. And um, I think I mentioned this already, but my middle schooler was so excited about the energy around it that he showed interest in wanting Aww. to go. So I feel That's really awesome. excited That's about that. Win. Yeah, the video, the whole thing was done so well and mm. really inspiring. Yeah. It was cool. It's great. Yeah. Anthony like takes his arm down the wall, takes all the envelopes he can get. <laughs> it's not a, it's not, nobody wins if they take the most envelopes. <laughs> like weird flex, he just, man. Know, he, just, he just gets into that stuff. He's like, give me a challenge. I'll do it. Yeah. But we awesome. didn't get a single gift card. So you know, oh, the Lord knows. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I actually had a day off yesterday. Oh, that's nice. It was nice. Did you just hang out with the peeps, the yep. family? Yep. Yep, played with the kids in the morning for a little bit. Yeah, I had some breakfast and then did, uh, you know, still working on our house, working on little projects here and there. And so. you took a day off because you've got a long run here to Easter. From here to Easter, it's, it's yeah, it's go time. Can so. I just, I, I thought the leadership in the singing yesterday was stunning. Awesome. I love following Jenny Dobbs' leadership. Sherry did terrific with um, her communion reflection. And um, Beth Moss, her, her her presence, everybody. I just yeah, no, that's good. It was it's a good, good morning. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. I couldn't ho- totally stay away. I was like texting Jonathan, "Hey, dude, can you bump up the guitar? I can't hear it in the stream." <laughs> <laughs> and my middle, so, my middle kid goes, uh, "Dad." 
don't work today or something like that. And I was like, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. You're right, you're right, I know you're right. <laughs> so, we had a good laugh uh, in the sermon when you, uh, which was a home run sermon, by the way, which I know we're going to get into questions, but you did great. Um, when you talked about teenagers... <laughs> And you said, because in, in, when God says, you know, like, no. yeah. in the second service, I sat funny. next to, to one of my kids who's a teenager, because I have all teenagers right now. And, and she kind of looked at her and she's like, that's what you guys do. So mom does, you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Stop asking. That's enough. Mm-hmm. That was good. All right. Well, let's get into some questions. Uh, here we go. First question was Moses blame shifting. In verse 26, when he says that God wouldn't listen to his pleadings because he was angry with Moses because of the people's disobedience. Wasn't God angry with Moses because of Moses' disobedience? Yeah, and so I, I said on Sunday morning, I, I didn't feel like the space, or and I also didn't feel like on Sunday morning there's a priority to digest this element, but it's an element. And if you, if you're a, if you like to study the Bible and you want to dig into this, what do we do with Moses's reflection here that God wouldn't let him go into the promised land because he was angry with the Israelites? Uh, is that blame shifting? Is that rhetoric? Is that bad form on mm-hmm. Moses's part? How are we to read that? Uh, it's verse 26 in chapter 3. Uh, but because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. And then, then we get the, the response of God to Moses' prayer. Hey, that's enough. Zip it. <laughs> We're done here. So I, man, I, I'll be honest with you, commentators, they land in various spots here. Um, so there's a stack of uh, commentaries in a, my office on Deuteronomy, and they land in various spots. I, I personally, after doing some study, I feel like it, both are true. I think it is true that the Lord, you could say that the Lord didn't listen to Moses' plea to go into the promised land because he was angry with Israel. And you could say it's also the fact that, that Moses possibly is blame shifting. So I, I would say both are true, that, um, that God was angry with Israel. They were in rebellion. And that, that rebellion that Israel was in complaining against God. It's a, it's a story out of Numbers 20 is what he's reflecting on when Israel didn't have enough water and they're complaining to God and accusing him of evil intentions to bring them into the desert to let them die. That, that rebellion uh, was the um, provocation that led Moses into sin. So the complaining of the Israelites led Moses to make a poor decision. He strikes the rock instead of speaks to it. So um, certainly God was angry with Israel mm-hmm. and God was angry with Moses. So I, I find myself saying both are true. Yeah. What do you, what do yeah, you it's kind of, it was an interesting part of the, of the, of the text for sure. Um, I think you're right. I think we see a little bit maybe of Moses's humanness in like, in some, fr- a level of uh, reliving a frustration Right, like, because he's retelling a story, he's not living it firsthand again. Right, he's reporting it. So um, there's, you know, probably a little bit of um, personal disappointment and frustration, and sharing his thoughts of like, because of you, you guys made me frustrated, and because of that, I did this stupid thing, and you know, it's, um, but I, I don't know for sure. Like, like you said, you can. There's probably a lot of thoughts on it, and I thought you did a good job saying that. I don't think this is like. 
what God wants us to dig into here to apply. I think there's probably something interesting going on here, which is interesting to quizzic about, but... And I'm really thankful for the podcast for that reason, because when I was younger as a preacher, I would have gotten hung up on that. Hmm. Like you would have spent pulpit time on that? Yeah, I would have. And I, you know, I'm not condemning anybody who would do that. And I had a season in my life when I would do that. I approach the text differently these days. Um, and maybe that's maturity. Um, um, I hope it's maturity, you know, saying, what is the authoritative message here? What, what's the primary message that the author wants the audience? And then how do we, how do we bridge it to our modern? Where are people really struggling? People aren't really struggling with whether Moses was blame shifting. What people are really struggling with is when God says no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I wrote down in my notes when we went through this section, leadership is hard. I just, I mean, I'm like, yeah. that was like takeaway for me was, um, cause I like your answer of, I think it both are true. And I just thought not, I mean, this is hard. This is hard for Moses. Being a leader is hard when God asks you to do something, especially on behalf of other people, which is typically what leadership is. That's just a hard posture to have. Mm-hmm. And then when you jump down to verse 28, um, not only is Moses not going into the promised land, but he is to commission Joshua mm-hmm. and he's to encourage him and strengthen him. And he's giving him the, he's like passing the baton. Like His not baby. only are you not going, but you are going to set him up to be successful in leading these people. And I was like, oh man, leadership is hard. That was my takeaway mm-hmm. from. That's you know, a great takeaway. It is a great takeaway. And I, I think of, um, let's just take, you know, for the, the average listener, let's just take leadership in your family. We all have roles in our family. We have to lead in our families. Um, but our families can be the impetus for sin in our lives. Mm. Uh, and we have to respond in those situations uh, diligently. We have to respond with uh, grace. And Moses failed to do that. He, he failed to respond in Numbers 20, full of faith. So we, we need to be careful. And the same is true for pastoral leadership. Simone, I think about your role at Naomi's house and the temptation to founder syndrome. Founder syndrome is the notion that the founder won't give up the reins in a productive way, won't, won't let go. And, and I've seen a number of organizations really struggle because of founder syndrome. Uh, and so I just think of pastoral ministry and the plurality of elder leadership and the importance of that and sharing leadership, realizing that we can contribute to one another's sinfulness. We contribute to one another's holiness as well. But if we're not careful, we provoke each other. Mm-hmm. We, we, put up roadblocks for one another's godliness. Mm-hmm. I like how you, like you, you use example of the home too, because often our kids um, are like the Israelites <laughs> and we're <laughs> like the Moses sometimes in this, like we're leading them and our kids make poor decisions that are out of what we would want for them or out of the parenting and the shepherding we've done. And then, you know, not that God is, has, there's a direct correlation, but sometimes you're like, it is their fault. <laughs> this right. is not right. my fault. Right. I did. That is not what I taught them. <laughs> and now I got to clean up yeah. your mess. Yeah. And then I still got to strengthen and empower them because they still have to leave this house and go and try to be productive citizens and it's people who word. love Jesus. Yeah. I had a kind of a nerdy question about your process with commentaries. Cause you mentioned you had a bunch of commentaries for Deuteronomy and, mm-hmm. and some of them were saying different things. Like, how do you handle that? When you do, you you know you have lots of commentaries, yeah. and and you might find a specific passage where it, you know you find disagreement. Like, how do you how do you handle that when I, that I happens? I think it's a do great you? question, Matt. And I because it's think, something I struggle with. Yep. So first you know, of all, first of all, I'd say we all stand on other people's shoulders. 
<laughs> if uh, when I was 35 and was ordained to ministry, I um, I said to Gary Larson, who's a, a, a well-respected, beloved elder in our congregation, uh, he's currently not on the elder board, but he holds that position in our community. I said, you know, Gary, I, um, I I'm excited for ordination. I don't I don't feel fully ready, and he didn't. I, I said, I actually. Um, I'm concerned that I, I don't know enough to really add value uh, to the community of faith. And he said, Kelly, you, you're not, we're not, he said, the minute you come up with something new to share, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Just remind us of the gospels, basically what he's saying. Um, and that was really, that was the easy yoke light bird moment for me. Mm. Uh, the people who are coming up with new things <laughs> are the ones that are really, we should be scared of. So, sure. so first of all, we stand on one another's shoulders. Um, and so when I, if I'm, second of all, the pulpit is, is for the declaration of what is clearest. So I have a rule of thumb. I don't try to evoke emotion in the pulpit that I can't help resolve. And I don't, I don't raise questions in the pulpit that I can't help answer. Uh, I find it, if we, if we raise questions or we evoke emotion, that can't be answered or helped in answering or helped in resolving, that's an abusive pulpit. And, and those pulpits exist. For example, fear-mongering. It, there are a lot of pulpits, a lot. It's not uncommon for churches to grow because the pulpiteers are breeding fear. And that's sure. not fair. So I try, the pulpit ministry is, is to say what is clearest, not to wrestle with what's unclear. And so verse 26, I would say that's not a, a primary place. So I may wrestle with it in the commentary, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to bring it into the pulpit uh, because th that's a burden, um, potentially. Yeah, this one's a lesser issue. But Yeah, right, right, right. So, and then, so we, I have to, you know, um, and then I, I'm at home being finite. There, there, are, there are many things in the text that I can't get my arms around. Yeah. And uh, none of which have to do, I mean, there, none of which unnerve my, my faith or yeah. put me ill at ease or create. Well, one of the things in um, seminary that I uh, just had <clears throat> issues with was like when, and I, I understand why, but um, there's a couple commentaries that I really enjoy, Matthew Poole's commentary and Matthew Henry's commentary. There's, and they're old, mm -hmm. right? Like a couple hundred years, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, so, and so anytime I would use that, or if anyone else in the class would use that, you know, the professor would be like, Hey, we need a more modern commentary. Like that's too old. And it was just kind of like, I get it. There's, there's been archeological discoveries sure. and, and things of that sort. Yeah. Dead but at sea the same time, what's that? The Dead Sea Scroll, like <laughs> there's right. commentaries pre and post Dead Sea yes. Scrolls that are significantly different. Mm. And you want to say the guys that, the people that were writing those commentaries before wished yeah. that the discoveries in mm -hmm. the 60s and 70s had yeah. taken place. Sure, right, yeah. But there's a lot of ways that I enjoy uh, some of the older commentaries, the way that they nuance things. Mm -hmm. They just have a different writing style. It's a little more poetic. It's a little more, uh, yeah. And so I just, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. I usually go to those commentaries at some point when I'm mm -hmm. wrestling with something. But mm -hmm. yeah, so anyway, sorry for the commentary question, but um, kind of interesting to me. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's important. Uh, if I were a Next Level Podcast listener, I wouldn't mind that question at all. Oh, cool. I, I would okay. want, 
you know, the people that are in the pulpit or even the people that are in Sunday school classes or what are we encouraging in our small groups? Are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a weird mix of, too, of what what the Bible is saying and how your education and your training and kind of the school of what, you know, thought and everything that you come from. So how you approach the text that way, what God speaks to you through the text yes. to your heart. In the yes. moment. What and, ministered to me as a preacher. Yeah. yeah. What the, what the, what's going on in the church and, and, and uh, culture and then what others have said about it. And you've got yeah. to, it would be unwise to simply read a commentary and represent the commentary's thoughts. It yeah. would be unwise to simply read the text and say, I know exactly what I'm saying because it's making me feel a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's so yep. there's a little bit of all that work is what, what uh, preaching is all about. Yeah. I mean, and commentaries can be can be a little scary to me just mm-hmm. because of the influence they could have if you're not having a right. holistic approach like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I you know, appreciate just, commentaries that represent fairly a different that the different perspective exists mm-hmm. and it will address and say some and are they, doing this. Yes, and the commentary the commentator yes. will say something to the effect of my best understanding from right. the work I have done is this. Mm-hmm. I don't think this person's crazy. For thinking this because it you know yeah and you bring up a great point some commentators are warm to differing opinions and some are not right <laughs> my first bible commentary like when i became a believer was a macarthur study bible and so that was that was my first introduction to commentary and it was just black and white all over the place yeah. mm-hmm. this is what it's saying this is what it and is and i love some of what he has to say oh i'm not bashing i'm just saying like it was a but very the posture the posture of, was very this is what it is it can't be yeah. anything else sort of vibe and yeah. so yeah. When, once i started getting introduced to other writing styles and yeah. comments then it you know had to open my mind a little bit there um, okay, let's go to the next one. Oh, one more. Yeah. So I opened the sermon with a letter from a father mm. to a son, and That's I closed good. the sermon with a letter from a son to a father. Was that the book, uh, Letters to a Skept- from a Skeptic? It was, and I wasn't going to say the name. And oh. here's why. Okay. <laughs> and that's well, fine. It was, a, it was a very formative book for me. It was like mm-hmm. book number three or four when I yeah. first became a Christian. Yes. Mm-hmm. So and, the book is Letters from a Skeptic by Greg Boyd. And the book yeah. is a, it's a beautiful, it's, it's awesome. the actual letters from mm-hmm. father to son on uh, the topic of Christian faith. At the end of the book, the father comes to faith mm-hmm. in Christ. Awesome. It's a it is a stunning book. But Greg Boyd, in my estimation, has left the reservation. Oh. He theologically, now when he wrote that book, if you read carefully his responses to his father, there are intimations that his theology is leaning towards what, what is now known as open theism. Gotcha. Uh, in, in the roughest sense, Greg would say God does not know the future, that hmm. he gives humanity enough autonomy that he actually allows us to write the script of history and doesn't know what's going to happen. That's Greg Boyd. So I would not reckon the reason I went out of my way and not to, then it's fine, Matt. I don't edit it out. Yeah. Our podcast listeners, as long as they get, but I did want to cover that in the sermon on mm. Sunday morning. These letters, this, this letter, this dialogue is great, but there's hints of open theism in the book overall. And it takes a nuanced reading to avoid that. Um, and the letters that you chose were, were safe, were, yeah, mm-hmm. theologically safe. Yeah, so, to recommend the, the book and talk about it, and I wouldn't that without, recommend Boyd, right, right? But he offers lots of commentary. He mm-hmm. offers many commentaries on other biblical books. He's a theological scholar. Okay, so mm-hmm. okay, good word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, Somebody else met me after first service and said, hey, that was letters from skeptic. And I, I said, yeah, sure was. Yeah. And, well, I can certainly understand you not, um, not bringing it up. I was in the extreme shallow end of the sure. theological pool. Yeah. When, you know, I was still kind of, I had just read Case for Christ. And I think I was like, okay, what else can I read? And it was like mere Christianity. And I was like, oh my gosh, what else can I read? And yeah. someone gave me that book. Yeah. And it was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just yeah. I needed a lot of head. I needed I needed to hear that back and forth, and it unfolds and see what beautifully. It like. The letters are just terrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next question. I agree that prayer is amazing, and it is wonderful that Moses heard from God in such a definitive way. But how often can we expect that type of clarity in our prayers? Well. Um. I don't know that I have a, you know, how often, uh, once a week, once a month, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think I would probably say we get better at, at hearing from the Lord. I, I, Sherry and I have been married 30, 30 years. I'm getting better and better at hearing her. Yep. Um, and so I, you know, you've heard the saying much prayer, much peace, little prayer, little peace, you know, this, you know, much prayer, you're much more in tune. You, you hear his voice better. And, and I will be honest with you, I've had times and places where I heard God say, you know, categorically, this or that. In, in Moses' case, it's, hey, we're done here. Don't, I don't want to hear this anymore. The answer is no. But I, and I've heard similar formative, direct, um, unquestionable input from God on a topic mm-hmm. in prayer. And I, man, I... I long uh, for that intimacy and, and I'm thankful and, and believe that we get better and better at it. How about you guys? I hear the most from God when I'm in the word, when I'm praying, when I'm reading scripture mm-hmm. and trying to understand scripture and, I'm, and then praying through scripture. That's when I hear from the Lord the most consistently is through his word. So that's been, and then have you, I think it's sort of what you're saying, the analogy of like when a child is learning to speak English, it's mm-hmm. because they're learning from people who are speaking to them. And I, I think about that all the time. Like if, if I want to hear from God, if I want to have this relationship and dialogue with him, I have to learn to listen for him as much as I am praying to him because mm-hmm. prayer ultimately is about him, right? Mm-hmm. Not what he's doing for us. Mm-hmm. I hope we get to it later, but your God is not a puppet analogy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that sunk in so mm-hmm. deep. So, um, but that's when I hear it from God the most is when I'm in his word. Mm-hmm. I want to read a little story here. A parishioner came up to me afterwards about how thankful she was that that Moses heard a no and, and how comforting it is to think that we can hear from our creator. We were pleading with him and I'm just going to read. She, I said, Hey, th- what you just shared with me, you want to email that to me and I'll just, I'll read it in the podcast. It may help some people. So she writes during a time of healing and recovery work concerning my childhood sexual abuse, I prayed, quote, Lord, make me the person I would have been if these things had never happened to me. Mm-hmm. Unquote. I didn't hear an audible answer, but he spoke to me, spoke to my spirit saying, quote, you are exactly who I wanted you to be because of these things. Now, he's not saying he wanted her to go through that or wanted the evil to be perpetrated, but she's exactly who he wants her to be because of these evils. She said, if that's true, and she said, I believe it is, 
what is there that I can't face? I, he can overcome any wow. amount of evil. And she was so thankful. I think she was just impressed about how intimate the Lord was with Moses in this regard, giving an answer. And she said, I've had that type of answer. I've had that moment where I heard with clarity from my creator. That's cool. It, it was fun to see her face mm-hmm. light up as she was describing mm-hmm. it to me. Because mm-hmm. yeah. she's thinking, you know, in that season, she's thinking, I'm not who I should be. And I may never because be. Because of these and things that have be. happened, I'm not all that God has wanted me and desired me to be. I'm broken. And, right? Like, and beyond repair. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's and God good. comes in and says, like, no, you're, you're beautiful. Yeah. Right? It's awesome. Hey, to all you Next Level Podcast listeners, we have a quick announcement about baptism coming up on Easter morning. Easter morning, we have three services, and we have several folks that have expressed interest in being baptized and would love to invite you to consider that. If you've not been immersed, that means dunked. If you've not been dunked, would you, I would encourage you to consider it. I know that in the DuPage County, many have been Uh, sprinkled as babies because uh, many come out of traditions of that sort. But uh, all of the examples in the New Testament are baptism upon profession of faith. And we'd encourage you to consider being baptized and sharing a little bit about your testimony with the people of God Easter morning. It's commanded by the Lord. It's a part of the gospel. We're to repent and be baptized and give a public profession of faith. So we'd love to have you do that. Contact a staff member if you're interested or just want to explore it. Even if Easter morning didn't work out for you, uh, maybe sometime in the future. All right, let's go to let's go to the next one. Um, along the lines of, of prayer, how long are we to plead with God in prayer if we are not hearing yes or no from God on our requests? Mm-hmm. So, so we're praying for a prolonged period. We don't have a sense of yes or no. Yeah, my I have got a little plaque on my wall that our missionaries to the Congo gave us. Uh, Imboligihi is his name. He's uh, Congolese. And uh, he came to Glow um, Bible Church while attending Wheaton's Graduate School, and our congregation fell in love with he and his wife and family, and we now support them in the Congo. And we've had some trips over there and whatnot. But he gave me this little plaque, pray until something happens. And I know Bully and his wife, Bully Falani, are, are people of prayer. And, you know, they, f- they face atrocious situations in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, the LAR, LRA, the LRA, this army over there that does, you know, commits mm-hmm. atrocities against the civilian population, mm-hmm. and it's a quasi, it's uh, has elements of a civil war. I mean, he he has to navigate by prayer uh, all types of mm-hmm. gross. Anyway, I see him praying. I know he's a man of prayer, and, and he says, "Pray until things happen." If you haven't heard a yes or you haven't heard a no and you feel as though it's silence, there's inactivity, pray. And I think of Daniel. Daniel prayed and then an angel showed up and and the angel said to him, I think it's Daniel chapter nine. uh, The angel said to him, uh, the minute you started praying, I was dispatched to give you an answer. It was three weeks ago. It's 21 days later. He's showing up. He goes, but I was held. uh, I was thwarted by the enemy, Mm -hmm. a spiritual enemy. And, and it took me three weeks to get here. And I think, you know, some of us, we need to just persevere in prayer. Luke mm-hmm. chapter 10, we need to persevere in prayer um, until we get, we need to keep praying. So, mm-hmm. and that, that's hard. All right, let's go to the next one. Have you ever thought you heard from God only to later learn that it wasn't actually God, but either your imagination or flesh? 
How are we to know if we are hearing from God? It's a great question. Really good. We've all had those moments where we're praying to confirm something we already want to do or, <laughs> or no. I mean, man, I'll confess I've prayed those prayers where you feel like yeah. you're going to do it no matter what. You're going to go there no matter what. You're going to say something no matter what. And you're just praying to God for peace in your soul that confirm my can bias. confirm what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So whether it's good or bad or whatever, fleshly or, you know, whatever. And so I think it's a, that's a real... Of course God would want that to happen. It's so, it'd be so great if it happened or, or whatever. And so I think putting our, you know, that um, checking ourselves, checking our heart, checking our desires as we go to prayer, does it mesh with how God acts in scripture? Does it mesh with how, um, you know, truth is laid out there? Am I looking for things for God to do that are against his character and only in my will and, and those sorts of things are... I think particularly when blessings hang in the balance or uh, favorable circumstances, mm-hmm. it, it's, um, you know, we're to pick up our cross and carry it daily. And so it is very easy in prayer to assume that the Lord is calling us towards greater convenience and greater comfort and relief. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm tempted to that. I And so it's harder to conclude when praying that the Lord is calling me to greater discomfort, inconvenience, and suffering, mm-hmm. cross-carrying activities. Mm-hmm. So I will say I'm very careful to conclude that the Lord is calling me to greater ease. It's hard because there's times where you, you pray earnestly for something to be lifted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A, a heaviness or an illness or a brokenness or something and at the same time you want to pray for unless this is supposed to be what I, <laughs> what I need to hear and feel so that I can get through it um, and those are tricky situations mm-hmm. tricky I don't think God's I hate that phrase I don't think God's trying to tricky us or mm-hmm. be tricky that's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying it's hard to but hear it's, it's, it can be difficult to hear because um, you know pleading in oppression is is a that's a just a human yeah position that's so difficult to be in Mm -hmm. asking for comfort and asking Mm -hmm. for relief from something Mm -hmm. and yet also holding in your mind lord teach me everything i need to know Mm -hmm. so that i don't have to continue in this Mm -hmm. help me to learn quickly lord (laughs) it's interesting (laughs) go ahead i i was gonna say one of the things that um also resonate. I got so much out of yesterday's sermon. So sorry that I have so much to say. But when you talked about how um, the God saying no to Moses was not a rejection of Moses. I mean, I just as a to, person, right? As like, a person, yes, right? I just right. want to stand up and start clapping. Yeah. I mean, it was just such a freeing, um, you know, thought to think that. Um, we we do plead for God. We especially when it's like family and oh, kids yeah. and things that are personal to us that we're passionate about. That we just, you know, we we could we could even doubt God when He's not answering some of these questions or prayers that we have before Him. So to hear you say and to affirm that it's not a rejection of God to Moses as a person as his, mm-hmm. as His beloved, but it's it's it does it, it's not God, it's not part of God's plan. Um, being able to separate that out for for me is is a challenge to, to see that it's God's not rejecting or even someone who's I'm praying alongside for healing and 
and God's not bringing it or it's not fast enough or it's not the way we thought to, to continue to encourage. This is not a rejection of you. Mm-hmm. This is just a part. We have to trust in the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. um, as we walk this out. That was really, that was powerful. I think of how counterintuitive prayer is for us mm-hmm. where, cause we just, we control our own outcomes so much in our life. It's so true. You know, um, the, in the Israelites, they battle against a little of that. Like if you read numbers, there's a little bit of them trying to control the situation, <laughs> but, but they're also like at the mercy of God right there. Mm-hmm. They're seeing him in a way that we don't necessarily see and experiencing experience mm-hmm. him. And I think of how counterintuitive it is to, you know, if something's wrong, we go to OSCO. If, you know, like if something, you go to get, if so something's physically like Jewel? wrong. Yeah, Jewel oh. OSCO. OSCO. Sorry, that's <laughs> old. Ranger. That was old, wasn't it? Was like, OSCO's the drugstore. We had it. We had it. What is this OSCO you speak of that has all the answers? <laughs> we did that in the 80s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you like, look at the it? outside of Jewel, it says Jewel yes. OSCO. Yes, so that's why I was Never. like, is that what you're talking about? OSCO. No, we used to go to OSCO after we went to First Cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. You were on a roll. You were on a roll. Go back. Go back to what you were saying. So when something is wrong physically, Mm -hmm. we look for our own remedy. Remedy. And and I'm not saying it's bad to go get a cough drop, right? Like that's not what I'm talking about. But it's often our reaction is not to go in prayer first. We often think I got to manage this. I can control this because we do that in so much of our lives. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of personal freedom and responsibilities. We have, a, you know, kind of you own your own destiny and you're in charge of your your future. And some of that's really great. And but it can also lead to a t- times of not going to God mm-hmm. first in prayer. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I think of when things go awry with my kids. I want to manage it, fix it, boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, get this done right. And I don't unnecessarily consistently enough. Ask for God, mm-hmm. God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you teaching my kid in this moment? Yeah. Especially in crisis, like we want to remove crisis all the time instead of trying to pray through it and think about what God might be doing and, and those sorts of, sorts of moments. So, um, I search, I, I have something that I do when I'm praying and when I'm listening in particular. And I search pre, I've, uh, pretty, I spend a lot of time asking myself. So if I'm praying about something specific and then I just wait and hear and listen and something pops in my mind, cause you know, the question asker is asking, you know, yeah. but either your you imagination or yeah. flesh. Yeah. Um, when something pops in my mind, I think about it for a long time and try to almost <laughs> like follow it through my mind and through my being and try to get to the root of it and figure out like, was that from me? Mm-hmm. Feels like that's from me. I, I, Honestly, I'll say most of the time I conclude that's, that's me. <laughs> most of the time I conclude that that's me. Yeah. Um, especially if it's early on in prayer, in mm-hmm. my experience. Okay. If I'm just praying for a, about a certain topic for the first week or two or whatever, or, or day mm-hmm. or two or whatever it is. And um, usually, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that, me, that might be me testing it, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, if, especially if it's early on, um, I usually conclude like, yeah, no, I think that's for me. I'm going to keep praying. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it feels different to me when, um, you know, when I do feel like it's from the Lord. Sure. Just, I'll give you, okay. I'll give you a funny instance of that. When we know it's from the Lord, we know it's from the Lord. 
which is a little frustrating to say it that way. Mm -hmm. But if you know his voice, you know his voice. And there you have it, mm -hmm. which is a little frustrating. So yeah. I was in the foyer a week ago, Sunday morning, and someone from behind me, the, the foyer's full of people, the Welcome Center, someone says, Kelly. And I, I think immediately, that's my voice. And I turn around, and it's my brother in the Welcome Center. And he sounds exactly like me. Hmm. And I had forgotten he was in town. Like, I'm in work mode. <laughs> he turned around uh, and went, yes, Lord. <laughs> my point is, I know my own voice. Oh, it was sure. weird to hear it outside <laughs> my body. Yeah, but it's Patrick. And so I recognized it immediately. And there is this, given enough time, given enough uh, fellowship, we'll begin to hear the Lord's voice. And we'll discern it through failure. That's... Uh, that's one thing I want to say here. We cannot live in fear on this matter. We must live in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And so we're free to make mistakes. I don't want to make mistakes, but we have to. The, one of the ways we learn. Yeah, move, was, moving in faith. Moving in faith. Move yeah. forward. Yeah. Take a risk. Oops, mm -hmm. missed it. That wasn't the Lord's voice. We get a do-over. So I'm going to give you five things to try and summarize this. How are we to know if we're hearing from God? Here's number one. Begin by asking God how to pray. Yeah. Romans 8 tells us the Spirit's already praying. So I usually, on a in a stumper situation, say, how is the Spirit praying, Lord? Let me pray in accordance with the Spirit's will. Number two, invite others to pray on the topic with you. We pray too often alone. One of the things I love about Sunday morning and Wednesday night prayer here, if you want to be on the prayer call, it's a Zoom call, email me, I'll put you on the call. One of the things I love about it is, folks, we've actually... <laughs> We're not praying alone. We're, we're praying alone too much. Now, it's great that we're praying alone. You're to go into your closet and pray. But we also need to invite others into the process of prayer with us. We need to bear each other's burdens in prayer. Number and three. It's, and it's really cool and very powerful when there is a consensus, when you have multiple people pray praying. For. Yes. Like, especially like, I'm sure we've all had those instances where we're praying with our spouse about something. And maybe like, you know, he, she brings it up and you're just like, I'm, I'm right there with you. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. That's exactly what I've been I feeling. I believe that's what the Lord has for it's us. It's right? so cool when that happens. Yeah. It's a good. Number three, ask others to mentor you in hearing the voice of the Lord. In other words, uh, Samson was mentored by Eli. Samson's being called out in the middle of the night. <laughs> he thinks it's Eli calling him. Eli. Isn't it Samuel? Samuel, sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Just... Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I don't get things so much here. <laughs> I'm listening intently. Uh -huh. <laughs> when I, say she just blew I don't, right over I don't my want head to like embarrass myself here, but I'm pretty sure it's Samuel. <laughs> Samuel was mentored by Eli. And, and, and Eli said, hey, the Lord's calling you. Go back and say, yes, Lord, it's your servant. I'm listening. So we need these people to help us hear the voice of the Lord, recognize it. And that happens in community. So, and then when you get an answer, what you feel is an answer, ask others to vet it. I think the Lord's uh, calling me to Hawaii uh, to do ministry there. Or I think, you know, we need to be, in my life, I need to be really, I find myself, I need to be suspicious about <laughs> the calling of God to ease and comfort and convenience. Finally, don't live in fear, live in love. Perfect. We, we are free to make mistakes. Oh, that's good. That's great because that kind of answers the question before it as well and gives another nuance to that answer. It's like, what if you're not hearing from God and you just keep praying, keep praying? Because one of my pet peeves uh, is is just like the the person who like just won't do anything because they're just like, I'm just gonna pray about it. 
I'm like, dude, are you I going on anything yet? You going on vacation with us or not? I know, I'm still praying about it. Dude, it's three weeks away. You've been praying for six months. Like, you know, at some point. I don't know, Matt. Maybe they're filtering it through their <laughs> brain and waiting to see if it's from the yeah, Lord. Right, right. No, but uh, I like what you just said because at some point, if you're not hearing and you need to make a decision, then make a decision and continue praying about the yeah, decision you just yeah, made. Yeah. And and be we don't at peace have to with be, it. We don't have to be in fear, right? That's I th- good. I, I think of the the uh, hard situations where somebody says, "In uh, I think this is part of um, what you're talking about." You know, take risks and those sorts of things. But you think of the hard situations where somebody says with an authoritative voice, "I've prayed about this, and God has told me this," mm-hmm. and somebody else says, mm-hmm. "I prayed about it, and God mm-hmm. told me the exact opposite." Mm-hmm. You know, like I can, I'm laughing because I can remember situations at when I was at Wheaton <laughs> where guys would try to use that <laughs> Wait. to woo a girl. Oh, no. oh, oh, so. Don't even. That's, oh. God, God has told, told me, me you're not clearly, to date that other guy. I'm yeah. supposed to date you. And that's what she said. Like, God told me. God told me. You're an idiot. Uh, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny example, but there are hard situations where. You know, what is God doing? In the, and we should take those situations really, go, really slow. Yeah. Yeah. The I extreme can, of that would be that it's spiritual abuse. You know what I mean? Oh, like you totally. Can just, yeah, that's, yeah. You're, that's why I want others in my world to help me vet these and don't. I can just, I think of times when I've been praying for something and I feel like God really wants us to do something and I'll say to Carrie, mm-hmm. man, I feel like the Lord's spoken and she'll be like, Keep I'm willing to listen. <laughs> I think. Or yeah, switch yeah, it, switch yeah. it around. I want to make her. Although be the... she just shared that story the other day about how you guys were praying about Zambia, and she felt the power of the Holy Spirit come yeah, over her. That was pretty. That powerful. gave me goosebumps when yeah, she told that, that story, beautiful. and that's a really cool example of she knew. Yeah. At that moment. Yeah. I think of your to the you know the fellowship and those sorts of things when we were considering adoption and and pray, I was we were praying and praying should we do this should we do this should we do this and randomly and it's not random <laughs> but re- at that time felt very random we were looking for answers in, to the prayer what should we do should we not do this and we were thinking about these sorts of things randomly I picked up a book it's a long story how I got to that book but I picked up the book randomly opened it read the book and found a crystal clear answer. Mm-hmm in this book about uh, our adoption. Should we proceed or not proceed? I finished the book and I was like, Carrie, I got, I have the answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and her response was beautiful. Like, you know, God spoke to you clearly and Mm -hmm. she read the book as well and it was just really I should also say, uh, as we're talking about um, family prayer requests, uh, Sherry and I, Historically, do not move forward until we're both, yeah. mm-hmm. both at ease. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. All right, let's go to our final question. Is it possible through our prayers for us to persuade God to change his mind or alter his plan? It seems that Moses was asking for God to change his mind. Well, I th- you know, I think that we, we ask for a change in our circumstances often. And so sin has consequences. And Moses didn't, he wanted to escape the consequences of his sin. And so I think he's appealing to God uh, for mercy and grace. And he gets what Paul gets basically. Eh, My grace is sufficient for you. You ain't going into the promised land. 
You're going to stay outside the promised land, and I'm going to carry you through it. Part of the sufficient grace was the invitation up onto Mount Pisgah so that he could look over into the promised land. So there's this notion of you're not going to escape the consequences of your sin, um, but I'm still going to care for you in the moment. And that doesn't unnerve me that Moses is appealing. I mean, that's I, we appeal for that type of relief all the time. We ask that those who appear to be dying of their illnesses, and illness is a result of sin in the world, we ask that they be healed. Are we asking God to change his mind? Um, or we're asking for his mercy and grace, which we definitely need. I guess there's an element of changing what he set in place, the consequences of sin always bring death, unless we're trusting in Christ. You see what I'm saying there? I, we ask for those that, are, you know, we ask for God's restor restorative work. You know, I think of marriages when one spouse sins against another or they sin against each other. That's more common. <laughs> We're sinning against both each other all the time. We ask for restorative work, God's grace. Well, we know that the outcome of sin is always alienation, but we're asking God to overcome that. That's what I see going on here. Um, and we know that prayer is a primary means by which God directs the events of history. One service I did better in than the other in, in, in outlining this. Prayer is actually God's means to accomplishing his desired ends. So he's ordained the means and the ends. The means are prayer, the ends are whatever his sovereign uh, good and glory are. And so, he, and he, and, you know, Moses hears, no, I'm not going to change it. So, in other times he hears, yes. Read um, Exodus chapter 32. There's quite a confounding mm -hmm. um, example in there where the Lord appears to relent. His, his purposes were X, and he says, all right, I'll do Y as Moses intercedes. And we could talk about all that. And um, is God actually changing his mind, or is Moses playing the exact role of mediator between Israel and God that he was called to play? Is, yeah. it, is this not the exact? So in Hebrews, we know that Christ is greater than Moses, but the comparison is that of a mediatorial role. Folks, when we stand before the throne of God, Christ will be next to us interceding for us saying, do not count his or her sins against them mm. and we'll go into heaven. Praise we'll God. go into eternity. Moses was doing that in Exodus 32 saying, do not count their sins against them. And God says, okay, it's a unique mediatorial role. So I don't think God changes his mind. I'm, I think God is sovereign. He knows the, the ends. He ordains the means, which is prayer. In this case, God says no. But I will tell you, as children, I unashamedly go to God asking for what I want. And when I, within... Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> like, I don't live in fear. I, I live in maturity, hopefully increasingly so. I'm increasingly mature. And, and I ask for what the Holy Spirit's asking for God to do in my life. But at the same time, I, I know I'm safe with my Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And I can plead with Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's actually. I think it is a beautiful. It really ministered to me throughout the week. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I was. Good. I was thankful to preach on it. Love yeah. preaching on prayer. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text next level podcast six three zero four seven four sixty one sixty four. 
Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith, my faith, and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to The Next Level. prophecy.